This is episode five in our four-part series on mental health. Now, if you've listened to other episodes in this series, you'll know that I didn't talk about this one, um, and it's uh, it's because we really didn't have a plan to do this episode. Um, this entire mental health topic happened uh, for our podcast, for the Impact Leadership Podcast, because of the guest that I have on today. So her journey of mental health was unfolding, and she sent me a text message that got these last four episodes rolling. And then in the midst of interviewing Mark and Dr. Melly and Shelly and and Tamara, it became clear that today's guest's uh, experience could be of tremendous value to all of us. So it unfolded in real time. And we talked about it and and she agreed to share her story. And actually, I ended up reaching out to her husband, who's a friend of mine, just to make sure that we were all on board because this is a really, really sensitive topic. Um, now, here's the twist. I'm her boss. Say what? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is featuring an act of vulnerability from one of the most capable women I've known. My guest today is Stephanie Bradshaw. She's a wife, mom, sales director at CCB Technology, and a proven professional with almost 20 years experience managing and developing teams. When things are tough, her default mode is to work harder and fight through. She's normal. She's that strong employee at your office. And she's going to walk us through her personal experience with anxiety, hospital visits, when to ask for help, counseling, and home life, and how do you balance all that stuff. If you're looking for cute, this is not the episode for you. But if you're looking for real, practical, keep listening. I'm extremely fortunate to have her on my team and I'm honored to be walking alongside Stephanie through this topic. Well, enough for me. Here's our conversation with my hero, Stephanie Bradshaw. With, with that, I, I really I want to get into it. So tell us about your mental health journey, and you can take this wherever you would like, and I'm sure that I'll have some follow-up questions for you. I do think I've probably always had anxiety, um, problems with anxiety. I just didn't realize it. I, I think I had them in all the roles. So it, to, to say that I'm just like the people that are listening probably am because I've had so many different roles in different stages where I, I didn't have any direct reports, then I had a couple, then I was on projects, then I had a big team. Throughout that time, I've always had um, what I'm now learning <laughs> in this latest season um, is is anxiety issues. I just didn't know it and I wasn't quite sure how to manage it. Um, my doctor has told me that I have a high stress tolerance and, and I think that very much plays into um what I go really hard and I go really fast and I don't take care of myself and I kind of go last on the totem pole. And then what seems to be happening now that I can put a pattern to it is um, then my body suddenly is stopping me saying, hold on, you went too fast, too hard. You didn't care about yourself. I'm now going to force you to stop. I remember some physical symptoms of anxiety, um, probably about 15-ish years ago, could have been even longer. Um, I definitely remember uh, seven years ago, I had to, um, my husband and I were out of town and I actually had to visit uh, a clinic and they um, did an EKG. 
because I was having my, my symptoms seemed to revolve around tightness in my chest and um, numbness and tingling and some other things. So real fun cardio type uh, cardio issues. So I know I was getting an EKG about seven years ago. And then in 2017, I actually ended up in the hospital overnight due to uh, tight chest, shortness of breath, um, cardio symptoms that they wanted to keep me overnight. And from there, I was released. I um, had about a week where I was really taking it easy. But then I guess I hadn't figured it out yet because I just kind of started running again and kept on going and thought, hey, this is fine. That was the first time in 2017 um, that someone, a doctor had used the word anxiety to me. And uh, my doctor had actually prescribed a a daily medicine for me to take at that time, uh, but I did not take it. Um, I thought I could do this on my own and kind of put my head down. And I did for about four years um, until this past summer. What was life like? You know, how many hours were you working? Um, Was there something particular that, that triggered it when you look back or was it, you know, little things kind of mounting um, back, you know, 15 years ago? I was, I've always worked a lot. Um, and that's me. I'm, I, it's, it's on me. It's who I am. I blame my parents for it. Um, so all I can think, I mean, back then too, I had just moved into a new house at, at that point in time, um, around that time of year, um, was thinking of starting a family, things like that. But I was working a lot. I, I was traveling a lot at that time too. Uh, so just a lot of long hours, 50, 60 hours probably. I worked in the evenings and on weekends and that. Fast forward to the 15 years and then you said about seven years ago. Is that right? The EKG? Yeah. Yep. So did you think that you were having like a heart attack or a stroke or something like that? Yeah. At the time, yeah. Um, that's why we went in. I I didn't know what was going on, but it was tight chest, shortness of breath, tingling arms, like those textbook symptoms that you hear if you have these, you have to go in scenario. So so we did, but they let me go. They said it was clear. I don't remember them talking about anxiety at that time. Um, it was a very busy time in our life when that went on. Um, I'm trying to think through exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure that we had just had a loss in our family. My husband's um, mom had passed away, my mother-in-law. We had been traveling back and forth out of the country for that. So it was a very tough time in my life personally. And then I also was um, had my normal, very busy professional schedule as well. And then you get prescribed some medicine, but you're like, yeah, right. I'm good. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to keep going. Um, and then that, that brings, I know we're skipping over a lot, but then you said that kind of brings us to this past summer. So what was different about this year? This year, it was a uh, much more dramatic symptoms wise that the physical symptoms, um, this year I had started to notice like my memory wasn't quite there and just not quite like, wait, did that happen? And I'd talk to my husband and be like, I'm not remembering this or that. Um, It's just a few little things. And then um, all of a sudden I noticed I was having like, um, it's stomach butterflies is how I describe it. Like when you're excited or nervous, um, but it's constant. Like my stomach is constantly fluttering. Then, 
all of a sudden I started waking up crying for no reason in the mornings um, to start out my day. And these were all kind of slow. Like this wasn't just one day I woke up and this happened. It was like April and May, this, these things started going on. And then from there, um, I had a swelling throat sensation where it was almost like I wasn't going to be able to breathe. Like my throat is closing. Then the tight chest and the shortness of breath that I mentioned was more common for me. These other things were not things that I had seen in the past. Um, dizziness, um, extreme fatigue. I suddenly was, I, I remember one day when all of this was going on early on, um, just sitting in a chair and I looked at my husband and I'm just, I, I started crying because I just felt broken. Like I, I couldn't understand like what was going on and why so many things were happening. Rooms were closing in when I was, was, you know, what I thought was relaxing um, with friends and family and all of a sudden like the room was closing in. And then um, the thing that kind of just put it all out there was I had a panic attack in um, the middle of a country road about two miles from where my husband was. What's that like? What's that like for having a panic attack? I I don't think I've ever had one. Um, it was extremely scary and, and strange. And um, I didn't, I just had this sudden intense fear I didn't know how I was going to get home or what was going on. I had my phone with me. I could have called um, my husband, and he actually was upset that I didn't. But I felt I needed to try to get through this and uh, a reoccurring theme, put my head down and, and kind of figure it out, which I, I was able to. Um, I went on the side of the road, took a couple of deep breaths, put on um, some music that kind of just calms me. And then I was able to um, get the strength to just kind of start walking and get myself back towards where I needed to be. Okay, so uh, you may have said it, but I might have missed it. So you were walking versus driving? Oh, yes. Yep. Um, I was actually out for, um, at the time, was a very normal and common four-mile um, run and walk. I, I I run about a mile, walk three miles um, for exercise. And this was something very normal that I did um, every weekend, multiple times on the weekend. This time it was different. Um, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. It just, there's nothing completely out of the ordinary, but all of a sudden, um, okay, we're going to get, get in there. I don't want to jump too far ahead. So let's zoom in on a few relationships and uh, different areas of life as you're going through this. Um, you know, draw it out however you'd like, but I, I want, I want to hear what was it like, you know, first at home during this season, during the summer, as you were walking through this. Home is my safe place. So home, um, for, lucky for me, uh, we are in a hybrid work environment. So I was home three days a week going to the office too. So um, home is where I feel the most, felt the most safe this summer. My husband was here. Um, he's he's my, my rock. I mean, I couldn't have done this without him. Home was hard to keep up though. Um, exhaustion, all of those um, symptoms that I had already mentioned, the extreme fatigue just took almost all the life out of me. So uh, my husband ended up doing probably 
95% of the home things. Um, he cooked, he meal planned, he did the yard work, he did the laundry, he took care of the kids. I put so much into just managing my work day, trying to get through um, my normal day. And, and at this point, um, I had not talked about it openly outside of talking to you at one point. Um, others did not know that I was experiencing this. So I was just working so hard to not let my team down, to not drop a ball, to, to hit numbers, to get everything done, that by the time five o'clock came, I would literally go to bed and lay down. How did you bring it up um, and broach the topic of that you were struggling? You know, how did that conversation go, um, you know, with your husband? How did that go with the kids? Um, You know, what was that like? My husband had been, we had been talking. I had openly talked to him like throughout this whole period. So he was watching the progression from the outside. So it was a very easy and comfortable talk with him. Um, We just kind of took each day or each week as it went and it was, it just flowed. Um, He could see it. So he just stepped up. I didn't have to ask a thing. He just started going. I love to cook. I love to meal plan. Those, that's like my, like it's a hobby for me. That's actually me time. And he could see that I just, I couldn't even do that. So he just stepped in without me even asking, talking to the kids, um, it was a delicate balance because I didn't want to scare them, first of all, or to think this was something um, that was going to take me from them. But I also very much wanted to normalize this, and I wanted to openly take this as a chance to talk to them about anxiety and talk to them about um, what I was feeling because they may be going through similar things as they grow up. So it was early on that my husband and I talked with them about it. I can't say exactly when, but because I wasn't myself, because I am usually out walking with them, playing basketball, running around, they knew something was wrong pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And uh, their ages to help? Um, They are both 12 right now, almost teenagers. So you're, you're walking through with the family. You are um, resting when you need to rest. You're navigating potentially difficult conversations with the kids you're you're trying to figure this thing out and that's what i think family is for now the other side of that which is where this conversation can get really real for people listening in um, and it does for us you and i is the work side so let's draw out the process a little bit more um and what were things like at work how did you broach the topic um, with, with colleagues, how did you do it with me? Um, that's the, that's the beauty of this conversation. It's something I've never done before and that you've never done before. So how was it with us at work? So at first I tried to put my head down and tried to power through it. Cause that just is what I've done in the past. So I just was like, Nope, this is going to pass. We're going to get through this. Um, just keep on going, keep on going. And then when the symptoms started to increase and started to mount up, and this was turning into something that I had never experienced before, um, I can get through a tight chest shortness of breath now that I know what it is. It's very uncomfortable, but like, I don't need to go to the ER every time. I, I can do that. But now all of these extra symptoms were coming in and the extreme fatigue. And I just 
didn't know what to do. And actually my husband um, encouraged me. He just said, I think it's time. I, I think it's time you talk with Steve. He knows that um, I trust you. Um, I wasn't scared or nervous to talk to you. For me, what it was, it was, I think, admitting I needed help um, and admitting something's not right. So once I was able to get myself ready to open up, to tell my story, even telling it just one person outside of my inner circle, I was, it took a little bit. Um, but once I did, like once I started the conversation, it was very easy to talk. And quite honestly, it was a huge relief because I felt like I was like hiding behind all these symptoms as I were in the office and I'm smiling and yeah, things are going great. And on the inside, I, I, I was barely functioning. Once I was able to tell you, um, it was a huge relief off of my shoulders. And and we have not, just so those of you that are listening don't think that this is just a complete setup. I don't know how she's going to respond to these questions. Um, and and this next one isn't even one that's in the outline at all. So what what was it like? What what did what did I say? Do you remember like how that conversation went? Did I like what kind of questions did I ask you, or how was it? It it was so easy. You just cared how I was doing. You cared that I was okay. You asked what I needed from you, um, and you kept it really simple. And the first few, you know, we'd talk in our one-on-one meetings and the first couple of weeks, I don't think I said a ton thinking back like, yep, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. And then once I was able to allow myself to talk even more, then I would share with you. And then I, you would ask, how am I doing? And you'd be like, no, really, how are you doing stuff? And that was my cue of, okay, put the guard down. He cares. He wants to know how you're doing. He he's not asking because of the numbers or something else. Just showing that you cared um, was very helpful for me. Were there things that that I should have asked about that could have helped sooner? Like, okay, so if we're zooming out and we're looking at this situation, if we're even able to do this, as you aren't yourself, but you're looking at yourself, and I'm not me, but we're looking at the situation like above above it. What would it have been that I could have maybe done since trust was established in our working relationship that maybe I could have done as a colleague, as a boss to not uncover this, but to, is there anything I guess that I could have done that maybe could have helped sooner? I don't think so. Um, I honestly think it had to be me when I was ready to, to be quite honest with you. This is the first time that I've ever opened up about this so much. I had mentioned that it's been 15 or so years. Um, I've worked for different people in different places. And this is the first time where I just, I knew I needed to talk. I had told you that early on. I said, I have this intuition when I feel better and when I'm more stable and I'm able to to get through this, I want to talk about it. But it had to be when I was ready. Um, just the fact that you would ask but in a way, what was very important is important to me is that you didn't ask in a way that you were trying to get details or trying to um, fix something or get to the bottom of it. it. It was important to me that you were just 
seeing how I was doing. I, I, I don't remember fully, which is not a surprise, but for people that are listening that, that are managers or people that have managers that they, they need to talk to, a real practical thing would be use of PTO for rest and things like that. Do you remember like what the frequency was or if it was, you know, done how often? I don't know. Like what was what was that like that practical application of PTO for uh, this process? So, I had to take off once I um talked to my doctor um and then then my therapist and that I'm kind of jumping ahead in in the story, but um once I had done that, I needed to take PTO for appointments. Um, and that was really important for me, obviously, to, to get on a journey to be doing better. And that was extremely helpful. So for, for managers who are listening, um, uh, that are listening to this about their employees, I didn't feel any um, shame once I had talked about it of, hey, guess what? I've got a therapy appointment and it has to be on Mondays when we have our normal team meeting at four o'clock. And it was like, yep, no problem. That was the only time that this therapist could see me. Um, I probably should have taken some more PTO. That's on me. Uh, and I think um, going forward, I think I, I will if I were to ever um, have an episode like this again. But hopefully I've learned enough that I won't get myself there. But um, I should have taken more PTO. I do um, very clearly remember I had to call in for our July sales meeting. Um, which is something I have never done in my career. I, I I rarely call in sick. And then for me to call in for a sales meeting, I, I remember clearly waking up that day and I had such extreme fatigue and I had been resting. Um, I, I had st- At this point, I had learned, okay, I, how much rest I need. So I had been getting rest, but no amount of rest necessarily made the fatigue go away. Um and I, I had to use the day of PTO. I had to call in sick. And I was never more sure of myself. Uh, even two years ago, I would have been extremely anxious about it. Um, another thing that my mind does is um, it races and it thinks of all the different scenarios and can go extreme of, well, Steve's going to be mad at me or they're going to look at me differently or I, how can I be a director of sales and I'm calling in sick type of a thing. Um, I'm going to let my team down. Like that's for me, one of the things is letting people down is so scary to me. It's something I never want to do. Um, Sorry, this is a really long answer to say. (laughs) I ended up calling in sick um, for our July sales meeting and we had to postpone the meeting because I'm the one who leads the majority of the meeting. I do the majority of the slides and we had to push it out a week and it, it wasn't even a big deal. It was like, nope, it's okay. We can meet again next week. It's just a meeting. Yeah, and that was um I, I, I do remember that now you, as you were talking, um, that it was a much bigger deal to to you, and that's to say how we who are struggling amplify the things that might be imposing on other people or per, the perception of imposing on other people, it, it wasn't a big deal to me. Um and it wasn't a big deal to the reps and we just, you know, we just moved on. But if that's not to 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 
diminish the hesitation that you had on your end. It's just to say both sides, you know, uh, of the thing. Like I was the one that was going to be in the meeting and then it got moved and I was like, well, this is what we got to do. That's fine. It's life. Um, and I know I pulled you ahead in the timeline. So let's talk about, let's talk about getting help. Um, because you keep saying about putting your head down and hammering through and making it happen. What steps did you take to get help? So I started out first by, um, talking just to my husband when things started to just start to slowly feel off. Then when um, I started waking up crying, which still boggles my mind, I remember thinking I had no reason, no idea why I was crying. I remember being so confused and asking him, why am I crying? Not knowing. Um, When that started happening, I opened up um, to my two best friends and my sister and I filled my mom in a little bit. Um, I didn't give my parents, all the details, um, just because I didn't know what was going through yet. And I didn't want them to worry, but I did let them know that things were just kind of off. And then I went to the doctor. I, I remember the day that I did it. I was like, no, I need to get into the doctor to figure out what's going on. And then from there, after the panic attack and sitting there in that chair, telling my husband, I just felt broken he looked at me and he said, I really think it's time that you talk to someone. So he I, I, he encouraged me. He pushed me um, to get that final step of therapy. Uh, thankfully, his work has a program where we are able to have, I think it's 15 sessions um, with a therapist online uh, virtually at no charge to the employees. So it's, uh, like a, I don't know if it's a mental health. It's, it's been there for a while, but the program was fantastic. And I am so grateful for it because when I finally was like, yeah, I think you're right. I made, I logged on that night and I think I had an appointment within like 48 hours. What was that first appointment like? It was a lot of me just telling what happened. It was um, the therapist trying to understand like why I was there, what had happened, what had transpired that got me to finally make that call. So it was a, it was a lot of talking. Going through all of this is obviously a journey in and of itself. When you when you pause and look at your mentality or your view of mental health before going through this, and then now. Uh, how is your? How would you describe your view of mental health in differences, or are there differences in your view of mental health before going through this and and now going through it? I didn't understand mental health was outside of your mind. I guess like I always thought that mental health was just my racing brain, the the anxious thoughts, different things like that. I didn't realize the physical symptoms that came with something like having anxiety. So I definitely have a different understanding of that perspective. Um, I completely underestimated self-care. I, I thought mental toughness would keep me going and it had done, I thought, for so long. But now, you know, now that this has been going on, I can kind of look back and think, okay, there were warning signs stuff. But uh, until you experience this and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, I think I underestimated the things that I've gone through. Um, in life, I tend to get through the tough times, move on to the next, get through the tough times, move on to the next. And maybe I need to slow down a little bit and I need to pay more attention in how the brain and mind are affected. So yeah, I think I have a, a very 
different um, view on mental health just because of everything that I went through. What uh, What is self-care? How, how would you describe that? So for me, um, it's slowing down. I am a person who my friends and family that listen to this will laugh because I'm always the one who's going, 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 go, go, go. Um, I'm running around last night, for example, and redid my whole entire bedroom on Sunday night because I wanted to get it done (laughs) before my husband got home from his trip as a surprise. And so I'm admitting that and now I'm like, oh, great job of the self-care there. (laughs) Well, it's good that you're still human. That's good. (laughs) Yes. But for me, it's, um, it's reading. I do a lot more reading again. And I've done gone through phases in life of where I read a lot. And for me right now, self-care is reading. It is um, being mindful. And for me, I describe mindfulness as being present. Because my brain never shuts off and goes so fast, I actually have to say to myself, be present. Pause, be present. Look at the trees. What do you smell? What do you see? What are you experiencing right now? Um, we went to the pumpkin farm, as you know, on a work trip last last week, Thursday, on an outing. And I was walking by the pumpkins, and I caught my brain focusing on the next event. Like, okay, what are we going to do next, and how are we going to get everyone there? And I actually paused and said, stop. I had to tell myself, be present. And then I took a deep breath, and then I just picked out my pumpkin. So for me, it's... Um, resting, reading. I have to constantly tell myself to be present. Um, I actually use the words, we can do hard things. I got that from a podcast that I was listening to over the summer. Um, and for me, I have, I, I, before we started this podcast, I literally told myself three things. We can do hard things. We can do hard things. I also um, do box breathing. So that's a breathing exercise. In the steps of like talking to my husband, my friends, um, my family, doctor, therapist, I also do a lot of research. Um, I, I really enjoy reading and learning and trying to help. Like, okay, now I know there's a problem, so I want to f- be part of the solution. So box breathing is something I picked up in my research. It's a, when I'm anxious or when I am, uh, my mind is kind of racing and I'm trying to stop it. It's a breathing exercise I do to calm myself down. Or sometimes when I feel my chest getting tight, if I catch it early enough, I can actually do some box breathing exercises and it, I can stop it. And I'm able to continue, or, yeah, continue in the moment that I was having. So it's, I, pick, I picture a square in my head and I take a, a deep breath as I picture the top line of the square and I count to four. And then I take, I hold my breath as I picture the right line going down, counting to four. And then I exhale along the bottom line, counting to four. And then I hold my breath along the left line going back up. And I just repeat that and I I get my breathing under control and it kind of just slows everything down for me. Never heard of it. I wrote it down. Uh, That's that's really good. What are some things that um, surprised you the most? over the last uh, couple months as you walked through this? Physical. Um, The physical side of this, uh, I could not control my body. And that just blew my mind. Like I thought, okay, 
I can do this. I can get sleep. I went 30 days with waking up for two, three, four hours a night. And I just, it blew my mind that I could not control this, that it was, everything was out of my control at this point. Now I could control how I reacted to it. I could control, you know, the self-care and all of that, but my body was doing its own thing. And I just, that was a huge shock to me, how far and how many symptoms um, that I had. Um, Another surprise since I've started talking about this, so I've posted on social media, both LinkedIn and Facebook, and um, I talked to our sales team uh, about this. And since I've started talking, there are so many people, uh, I'm going to use the word suffering, I don't know if that's the right word, affected by um, experiencing any pick a word, um, so many people that, that experience anxiety in some way or another. And so many haven't said anything. I've been shocked by people coming up to me. Well, not only the responses through social media, but people coming up to me saying, I've never told anyone this in my life. Will you please keep it private? But I have to tell you, I'm experiencing this too. I can't talk about it, but I give you so much credit for talking about it. And it's been a really big surprise how many people either are living with it or have a family member, spouse, loved one that have some type of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And uh, people that are struggling, uh, you know, what advice would you give them or maybe even... um, people that are seeing someone else struggle, you know, but what, what, what advice would you give those folks? So to people who struggle from anxiety, self care in my example, and I can't see that this would be different for others because of the research I've done. Self care is so important. Don't put ourselves last. Um, It's easy to do when you have a family and you're working full-time and and you're trying to do all the things in life. And we hear that all the time, and I never really listened to it. And I wish I had because I probably wouldn't have had as many of the issues this summer um, that that I had. Also, if they're struggling, talk to a safe person. Um, I was so lucky to have my husband and then my best friends and my sister, like try to start talking about it because then you're going to realize you're not alone. Do research to, to figure out like the box breathing. I stumbled upon that and it has been such a help for me. And then if you're really not feeling well, as hard as it might be for some, talk to your doctor, talk to your therapist, um, find the courage to ask for help, which is so hard um, sometimes for some people, but I think I'd still be suffering if I hadn't figured out that I needed help. So that's my advice to people who are um, experiencing it. Um, to people who are seeing things, that one is hard because the person who's experiencing it has to figure out when they want to talk. But if people are are kind and comforting, um, it managers read up and do some research. If you suspect one of your employees might be having some mental health issues, research it, understand it, make it become normal. Talk about mental health in meetings. Talk about, not about a person, just have it be a topic of conversation so it's not a stigma anymore. I think 
we still think of mental health as a whole and people think of it as a stigma. And, and that's why I'm talking now. I, I hurt so much this summer that I feel that if I can help one person realize they're not alone, one person who's suffering silently can ask for help or do some research or get out of the spin of where they're at. I, I, people have to talk. And, and if people can't talk, that's okay. But someone like me who found the courage to talk needs to keep talking for to be the voice for those who can't. What's the biggest thing that you think keeps people from getting help? And I know I should ask this like 10 minutes ago, but is there a thing that you could point to for yourself um, that maybe other people would identify with that really was a hurdle from, from getting help? I mean, there's different, there's going to be different things for everyone. I was so lucky to have the program with the therapist. I think that could be a hurdle for people to have to pay out of pocket for therapy. Um, but I know there's online resources now, there's virtual, there's things that are man much more manageable from a cost perspective than pre-COVID when you had to go to a therapist's office, um, for example. And I guess it just depends on the person. I will openly say I'm on medication. I started taking medication this summer. I was a person who didn't want to take medication because in my head, I thought, I don't need a pill to feel okay. I don't need a pill to, to make me feel better in life. I'll just figure it out. And I realized this summer that right now, um, uh, pills, medicine, daily meds for me and um, CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, that's what I did with my therapist. Those were the two things that my brain needed to help me begin the path to recovery. I had done research and my therapist had showed me some stats showing that those two things combined give the best chance for people to head into recovery and start to feel better. You said CBT? Yes, it's it's cognitive behavioral therapy. If there's a if there's a resource or something that you want in the show notes, we'll make sure that that's in there uh, for people. Is there anything else that I've missed that you want to leave uh, people with? Because I know I was all over the place and this is a much different episode. But what, what would you want to leave people with? I just want, if there is anyone who is silently suffering, um, someone who's doubting what's going on, doubting who they are because of this, we can still be good people. We can still be good parents, um, spouses, and employees. And it took me a long time to understand that. I thought that I was broken. I thought that I wasn't as good as someone else. I thought that I wasn't doing my job how I how I could. And that having anxiety meant that I wasn't going to be able to do the things I'm doing. And it's not true. Um, Self-care, I have to take care of myself. And I'm right back to, to I feel I'm close to the, the pre-2021 me. Um, I still have my symptoms. I still have the, the butterflies in the tight chest um, and different things, but I now have the tools to manage it. So we can still be good people and, and there are tools out there to help us. We're not alone. Well, I am so proud of you, Stephanie, and grateful to work with you. Um, and really I feel humbled and surprised and whatever other word insert here 
uh, to be a part of your journey um, with you, your husband, to work at a place that is embracing the awkward life stuff that people go through because we believe that there's so much more at stake than just profit and loss. Um, so thank you for being vulnerable, um, demonstrating courage and, uh, and, and sharing with us your, your story. It will help, um, more than one person. So thank you for, for doing this, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for taking the chance. Um, I'm talking about this topic and bringing it to a forum where it's going to be talked about more and people are going to hear it. And just thank you for being who you are and your support allowed me to be able to talk about this. I feel very lucky that I work for CCB and a company that has taken me for, for what, who I am. And we're going to cut out that uh, compliment, by the way. So. People, I need people to think. I need people to think that I'm a tough guy. <laughs> I was trying to slip it in there. I was like, yes, yes, he's gonna hate this. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Okay, takeaways and action items. First of all, takeaways. Brene Brown has said, "Every act of courage was underpinned by vulnerability," meaning. When you don't know what the outcome is, you go anyway. That's a display of courage because you're vulnerable. I don't know how this is going to pan out, but you take action. I'm proud of you, Stephanie. Action items. First of all, ask your people questions and then listen to their answers. Earn their trust. Don't pry. Prove it's safe. Don't rush in. Maybe go back and listen to the episode where we cover the precursors to empathy. It was in this... Uh, series on mental health. Ask, what would it take for our people at our place of employment to have a work environment where they could struggle and ask for help without being alienated? Here's some ideas. Allow time off for people to get help. Encourage people to get help. And then share your story. Last thing, like the other episodes, maybe get therapy or encourage your folks to get therapy. It's not weakness to get help. Well, if you thought of someone during this episode and it's appropriate to do so, I would ask you, please send this episode to them with a note of encouragement. Now we have over a hundred episodes, which is crazy to say. We have over a hundred episodes that will aid in your growth as a leader follow or subscribe and whatever platform you're using right now to have access to all of them. Now check the show notes as well, because I'm gonna have some good links in there. And as always, I can't wait to be with you again soon. But until then, from all of us here at the Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.